Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and as always, I am joined by my two esteemed co-hosts, Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Thank you all for joining us. If you'd like to reach out and chat with us, you can always find us on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers, on Twitter by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers, through email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com, or by posting on our guild number 2077 on BGG. So for today's show, as you are driving on to Origins, as we are right now, maybe, well, not right now, but if I'm listening to this, then yes, uh, we are going to go over our top of the stack for June. We have a hipster highlight prepared, and then we are going to try out Keep Trade Burn Revised Edition with a suggestion from one of our listeners slash guild posters. So before we get into any of that, let's go ahead and start with what we've been playing. And Tiff, I'm going to kick it to you first. Oh boy. So I've gotten a chance to finally play games again with adults, and I finally got Penny Press out, and I've played it twice now. So if you don't know about Penny Press, it's a game about um, you're a newspaper mogul, and you're chasing down the hot stories on the different beats in the city, and uh, yeah. So that's what you do. It's interesting. <laughs> I don't Is know. Is it set in present day? No. No, it's no. like, well, present day. I mean, newspapers are kind of a thing of the past. Well, that's what I was asking. No, it's like old, old style, you know, newsies. Like extra, extra read all about it kind of stuff? Yeah, totally. Okay. okay. I don't know. I mean, there's not too much theme to it. If you look at the board, it's just like a set of tracks and a pile of newspaper shaped chits. So. Okay. Yeah. Meaning square or rectangular. There are multiple different shapes, but yes, square and or rectangle in different forms. And the cool thing about the game is you're you're placing workers or news reporters on the different stories within these different beats, and then you have to spatially put them on your front page when you go to press. So you have a grid in front of you, and they have to fit within that grid. Otherwise, you can't publish them and you get negative points. And if there are any spaces on your front page, if it's not completely filled with stories, negative points. So how often are you filling your pages and submitting? Um, well, the game ends when the first player publishes for the third time. Third time. So okay. you get three times. Three of those little it. spatial puzzles? Yeah. And they have a ad that gets put onto your front page after you print for the first time. So it makes it a little bit trickier. Okay. So you, you have to negotiate around that. And there are rules for placing the stories. Like, as you add reporters to the different stories, the, I don't know what it's called, the beat value? I don't know, something. The value of it goes up, and the highest ranked stories are the top stories, and those have to be put in a certain location on your front page. So it's kind of a puzzly aspect. You have to figure out how to fit these in, and you can declare some stories exclusive for double points. It's interesting. It sounds like it. Yeah, the first time I played it, I liked it. Uh, the second time brought to light some, like, things that annoyed me. Things. Randomness. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Well, as you go along with your stories, you're you're also tracking bonus points for certain beats. So each little paper story that you're getting and putting on your front page has a little star or two stars or three stars on it. And then each beat, 
I don't know. I'm using a lot of jargon, which was the big annoying factor for a lot of people in my group. But the terminology for it was hard to follow because no one knows anything about newspapers anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you're tracking these bonus things. So if I have the most, the majority of the stories in war, then I get the value of that bonus track at the end of the game. The problem is, is as the different kinds of stories move up the bonus track, that's determined completely randomly through a card flip. So there's no way to really plan. Like you can go for the thing that's the highest. The first would be probably the safest thing to go for. Um, And I've had some success with that, but there's no way to know which kinds of stories to go for to get those bonuses because it's completely random. And that's kind of annoying. So you're not making any kind of like meaningful investment into a type of story. Right. You you can't know for sure what's going to yield the most points. They'll gotcha. all yield points, but you don't know what's going to give you the most bang for your buck. That's thematic, though. Yeah, I, I mean, know. Newspaper speaking. Yeah, you I know who's going to die tomorrow to hit in the murder pages. Well, and that's Unless one of the things we talked about. It's thematic. It's just not fun. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I, I think all the games have been relatively close, but... It was just kind of like, oh, I want to be able to plan for that is the only complaint I have about it. Otherwise, it's it plays in the, I think, 45 minutes that it's supposed to play in. It's not too heavy. It's not too thinky. A little bit of AP as you plan out your front page. But otherwise, it's fine. It's a good game. Cool. Well, Dan, I know that that's one that you wanted to play, but I guess you can touch on that when we hit, uh, spoiler alert, our top of the stack. So how about you give us one of the games that you have been playing? I had a chance to play, most recently, my copy of Kraftwagen, or Kraftwagen, for those in the U.S. Um, This is the new Matthias Kramer game, who is, after Antoine Bauza, probably my favorite designer at the the moment. Uh, He's done other games like Glenmore, Lancaster, and the beautifully done Rococo. Um as well as some other game that's only in German, etc. But uh, Kraftwagen is his new one, and I went into this with very high expectations, and I got to play it once uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was good. Uh, It's a lot lighter than I was expecting. Uh, The gameplay itself um, takes place in... I I don't know, early 1800s, or late 1800s, early 1900s, kind of around the car revolution with uh, Mr. Benz and all those, you know, those ballers of early cars, etc. And what you're trying to do is you're running a a garage and you're trying to put out cars um, into the market as well as onto the Grand Prix track to race around and score points, etc. So um, the main mechanic in this, though, well, there's probably two. The, the, the action selection is similar to Glenmore. If you've played Glenmore, there's this, if you haven't played Glenmore, there's this track. Um, it's in a square, and there's tiles laid out. And what you do is it's got kind of, and this is where I think Takedo got its movement from. So the person in last place always goes first. So you can jump ahead as far as you want when it's your turn. But just know that the people behind you are going to get to collect more actions possibly um, until they reach back to you and you become the person in last place and then get to move again. So it's a really neat mechanic. You're never out of the ability to get what you want. It's just, are you willing to pay that opportunity cost to get it? Um, Which I really love. Um, 
difference from this and Glenmore. Glenmore, you're picking up village tiles to build this little tile in uh, Kraftwagen. You are picking up actions, and each tile has either one, two, or three different actions on them that you must take if you can. And these actions range from racing your car to collecting engineers to putting cars onto the market. Um, the, the really neat mechanism that this one utilizes is the market mechanic. So there's these four different types of buyers. So one buyer is looking, for instance, for the best engine. So as you're going along, you're going to be building these cars in your garage. And you're basically just collecting uh, engineers to give you better engines. And that kind of tallies up to give you a, a numerical value. And that's the value of the engine you can put in your car kind of thing. Without getting into too much Sounds detail. thematic. It is. I mean, it, it does have a decent amount of theme to it, to be honest with you, for a Euro. Um, but the, the cool mechanic, like I said, the market. So there's these four types of buyers. And when you take the market action, you can... Uh, place one of these buyers in the the bidding row and then when the round ends there's going to be four buyers and each one of these buyers you start at the top and you go so if the the top guy wants the best engine whoever's put the car with the best engine in the market scores that guy and then it goes down to the second guy if he's looking for the the cheapest so you know you get the cheapest car Really neat mechanics. I don't want to get too much into it. I'm actually, I'll probably review this one soon because I really like it. Um, it's light. It's not too complex, but there's really some cool uh, mechanics that he's put in here. There's the Grand Prix where you can put an engine into your Grand Prix car and race around this track with this meatball to score victory points. Um, a lot of different parts working, but again, it's a very, I'd put it at a medium package. I'd put it slightly less than Glenmore as far as um, strategic value i guess that glenmore has the spatial element which this one doesn't and i think that's what gives glenmore the leg up for me as far as um depth but this one still it, it has a decent amount and i put it right firmly in a medium weight game so I, I enjoyed my first play i'm looking to explore it a little bit more i just got my copy in how long did it take did you say um my game was three new players and i think it took i want to say roughly between 60 and 80 minutes probably okay it's not it's not a very long That's game acceptable. It's three rounds and again the cool thing is uh, the rounds end when either all six of the market spaces are filled with cars or you've put four dudes out and four um other market things happen so you set the pace of the round end so it's up to you if you're not you know if you're not collecting these things that trigger round end, then it doesn't happen. So there's ways to either speed the game up or slow it down to kind of fit what you're trying to do on, on a given turn. Not to compare it too much to Glenmore, but does it have any of that catch up slash like equalizer effect that Glenmore had where you shouldn't build too many buildings? Because if you get too far ahead, you start to lose points. Does it have anything like that to keep the games close or is it kind of open? No, I think it was it was a little bit more open. Um, again, there is no spatial element to this one like in Glenmore where you're actually because the the wheel or the, the square, whereas Glenmore, you're pulling physical locations off and building this tableau in front of you. Kraftwagen uh, is the the action. So when you take an action tile, it just goes to the head of the line. So it's a constant circle. Uh, the actions just keep recycling. So there's no I don't know if there is a necessity for such a catch-up mechanic like in Glenmore because you're not physically pulling more tiles than other people kind of thing. There's 
there's actions that have one, two, or three. So you could jump ahead and take the three and get three actions, which kind of catches you up to someone who just took one, one, one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and jump in. Um, one of the games that I played yesterday for the first time, we played three in a row. Uh, it's called Dodals, and this is the re-implementation of Klaus Teuber's Barbarossa, which was an old Spiel des Jahres winner. Um, and this is basically a like 20-question style guessing game where you are forming things out of clay and kind of like that cranium game. It's like that one piece of the cranium game. Uh, you are trying to guess... What your opponents have made and you gain points and lose points accordingly based on your guesses and it is super light and it's not i mean it's not really fillery but it's not very taxing on the brain it's not a brain burner but it's definitely a fun little activity and gives you a, a different style of creativity and thinking processes that you don't always get in games because you're you know building things out of clay and stuff so i really had fun with it um I, this was one that was on my list to buy at origins but they keep releasing all these Origins games like a week or two ahead of time. So I just went and bought them because I was going to buy them anyway. So uh, I really liked it. And I know, Tiff, you were you were tweeting me about how gross clay is to work with. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I had that on my Origins list to check out, too, just because it's weird. But the idea of like people's hands in clay as a game component grosses me out just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I, that might just be a... a symptom of having played with children who i've said are gross yeah no no, no. It, general, it's true and as we like <laughs> they all are this... i make them wash their hands before they play my games but even oh, no, still I, I gotcha gross. i okay. gotcha and you do kind of leave like i wash my hands after i play the game because you are playing you're playing with legit clay and hopefully it doesn't dry out or anything it's a little weird but it's not particularly gross or, or strange, and I'll definitely be bringing it to Origins. We'll have to give it a play uh, to right. see if you liked it. I'll give you one of the, the piles of clay that we haven't touched. Okay. Because we only use three of the colors. But uh, that's I think that's what grosses me out. It's just that yeah. someone else has kneaded through this clay and whatever germs are well, on their will... hands are on the clay. and ooh, It's like a big <laughs> ball of germs. Yeah, I mean, I was licking my fingers pretty regularly through the game, so I'll let you use my color. Um, no, I had fun with it. It's super light, and I don't always get a chance to play these light games, but I knew like Ben and Kel would, would have a ball with it, and we were just the balance between basically you don't want to be too descriptive with your sculpture, but you don't want to be too bland because you get points based on how long it takes people to guess. But if it takes too long, then you start to lose points. So it's fun to play that guessing game of like, okay, Cal just put like a blob of nondescript clay out there. Like, how is that beneficial? And then Ben's over here making like perfectly detailed sculptures. And he's also not getting any points because he's too good. So I, it was fun to strike the balance between the guessing and the the sculptures. But yeah, I mean, not much to be said about it. It was just a fun game and, and one that I would suggest picking up if you like more of those activity style games or you like something that's a little bit off the wall. So throwing that out there. Yeah. But we'll move right along because Tiff, I want to hear about Cacao because I've picked this up twice in the game store and haven't pulled the trigger yet. Oh, well, if you like Carcassonne and other tile laying games, this is a good, good game. I've played it twice now. And uh, I'm digging it. It's lighter than I, what I was expecting. Um, so for the game, basically, you're just you're playing a tribe that's collecting 
uh, the little cocoa beans and you're selling them for money and then whoever's the the richest player at the end wins. It's pretty simple. But the tiles are a mixture of uh, worker tiles and jungle tiles. So your jungle tiles on each of the four sides have a different number of worker. And then you place it next to a jungle tile and those jungle tiles will give you a certain action that you get to take as many times as you have workers. So if I put my tile next to the mine and that side has two workers on it, I get two gold sort of a thing. So there's there's ways to get beans, there's ways to sell beans, and then there are uh, like area majority temple things. And the cool part about this one is at once you run out of jungle tiles to place, you can actually use these sun god tokens to rebuild over top of worker tiles that you've already placed. So cool. yeah, and, and I've played it twice and it, it doesn't feel too samey like it's it's a very limited set of tiles and i thought maybe both games will feel exactly the same but they didn't so yeah it was good i like it that was a concern i was wondering like about the longevity of the game because 35 dollars, which is what it's priced at msrp is such an appealing price for a game um but i typically don't jump into euro games a lot because dan usually buys all the good ones so i just like play his copies I'm always looking for Euro games, but I want them to have some staying power if I'm going to invest in them. So yeah, I, I think about this that. is this is kind of like a if if you find the scoring for Carcassonne a little bit too much for whoever you're playing with, this would be a good alternative because it's kind of that you got to think about where you're placing your tiles. Also, there's interaction because you get to place the jungle tiles down, and and that might be touching one of your opponent's worker tiles, so it will give them something, and you got to kind of plan out how not to help your opponents, so it makes it interesting. So not necessarily a lot of excitement between the tiles that you're seeing, but it's how you play them. Right, right. Cool. Dan, any, any interesting cacao? Yeah, it looks it looks interesting. I was telling Tiff, I read about this about a year ago in one of my Spielbox magazines. Uh, I don't know. The look of it wasn't the most appealing, but I do like tile-laying games, so if she gives it a thumbs up, I'm willing to try it. I'm not sure that I'll run out and buy it, but I'd like to try it. I think I'd, I'd call it like a filler plus. So if you're looking for something that's going to play quick but still feel Euro-y, and the look of it is like Mangrovia, I think. Would you, has that would you play like Cacao it. over Walnut Grove? Oh, that's tough. Probably not. I like Walnut Grove a lot. But I've only played it once, so I don't know. Hard to say. I think I'd rather play Walnut Grove. Can you add cacao to your Origins bag for me, Tiff? Deal. I want to play it. Okay. Not a problem. I was planning on bringing that one anyway. Cool. All right, Dan, how about you round us out? Give us another game that you've been playing before we move on. Um, I introduced you guys to a game that was introduced to me recently, uh, as in recently, as in the last six months or so, and that's Metropolis which is has slowly become my favorite auction game that I've ever played. <laughs> and that's saying something because I don't really like auction games that much. So this one really rose to the top. And I actually um, went overseas to find a copy of it because it's out of print. And this is a game where not only is it an auction, but there's also this spatial element to it included in the auction that really provides this cool tension. <laughs> Uh, each player is giving, given an actual physical building block numbered 1 through 13, and that's all you get for the game. So 
how you use these to bid. Uh, you're going to be placing these on different city districts on the board. And then what the player to your left will do is he'll place either a higher building in an adjacent space to the one you placed, or he will pass. Uh, once all but one person has passed, uh, whatever building is considered to be the winning building um, flips over and stands in that city spot. And that spot can no longer be filled and they get credit for taking control of that. You, sometimes you can get tokens. Other times it's good for end game scoring. Uh, there's a number of things, but, uh, I love this game. It's so light. It's really quick to pick up on. Um, it's one of those ones you can kind of sit back and just, I don't want to say turn your brain off because there's some definite strategy. And that's what I love about it is the spatial element. As I mentioned, it provides this, um, I don't know. It's the, a, a bit of a tension because you're trying to navigate bids in certain directions and you're trying to start and get claim certain locations. So, um, yeah, I love it. The board is a bit, uh, cluttered and probably not the best from an art standpoint, but it's quirky and it has a little bit of charm for that reason. So I know people complain about that, but it doesn't bother me. It's pretty gross looking. <laughs> I but that's okay like it's not an awful thing um and i'm just saying plainly like it's not that great of a game looking uh, art wise appearance wise it was definitely fun and clearly it was fun enough because ben ran out and bought a copy so he's was all excited about it um i i enjoyed it i thought that it was an interesting take and wasn't what i was expecting yeah i like that game it's one of the older ones i have in my collection so It's a good one. Cool. Well, that's a little bit about what we've been playing. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And please join us after the break. We are going to go over our top of the stack for June, including some of those cool Origins release games. So come on back. Alright everyone, we are back and we are going to go over our top of the stack for June and there are a couple here that that overlap. So Dan, how about you give us one of your games that's on the top of the stack? Uh, Two of my top of the stack will be purchased uh, bright and early Thursday morning at uh, Gen Con, or not Gen Con, Origins. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Um, And that is Lagrange and The Voyages of Marco Polo. Um, Tiff has spoken about Lagrange on the show before. It's a Euro game, Stronghold Games is publishing it. It was released in limited quantity for Essen. Um, this is a game that has kind of multi-use cards and actually physically where you put them on your player board provides for a different use of that card. Uh, looks like a lot of fun. Um, it looks a bit drab, uh, aesthetically speaking, but I can definitely get over that. Um, and it's got Tiff's thumbs up, so... You should get over it, because it's fantastic. Well, I'm fine with that. It's easily my first purchase. Um, and like I mentioned, the other one is Voyages of Marco Polo, which just was recommended for Kenner Spiel de Jaris. Uh, this is a game that has dice as workers kind of feel. Boards divided into two locations, the top being the voyage throughout Asia, the bottom being where you're kind of collecting actions, etc. So... Really looking forward to trying both of those, and I will definitely be playing those in the next week. Very cool. Well, in May, I actually got two out of my three off the top of my stack. Warhammer 40k Conquest got in some games of that, played some Specter Ops, 
but Madeira remains unplayed and unread. So I'm going to leave that on my stack for June, um, but I'm adding to that a couple of games that I haven't played in a while. So while I'm excited for some of the Origins releases, like I said, I got a couple that I was already looking forward to and played them. So top of my stack, I'm looking back a little bit and after Origins, after all that fun, I'm hoping to play some of the games I haven't played in a while, which would include Zombicide, um, mainly to see if I still care about it or whether I should just throw it to the wolves and let somebody else have it. Um, I've always enjoyed it and it's always been a fun little co-op game, but it's not one that hits the table a lot. So maybe top of the stack can motivate me forward. Um, and then Terra Mystica, which is one that I brought up to Dan a little while back. And he, I know he's all for playing it at some point. Uh, we just haven't really dived into that one as much as I would have liked. And there's still a lot to explore with that game. So I'd like to get Terra Mystica back to the table at some point during the month of June, but we'll see how we do. So yeah, Tiff, how about you? Um, well, Marco Polo is one that I'm going to be picking up at Origins, so I know I'll get that played since it's on the top of Dan's stack as well. Um, Dark Moon is the one from Stronghold Games that I've been planning on picking up, so I'll, I'll hopefully get that one played. And then I just picked up Nations the Dice Game at my local store, so I, I started reading the rules for that today, and there is a solo variant, so it should be at least played in the solo version this weekend. And uh, the last one is Zack and Pack, which is Pack and Stack, but I got the French version. So, and I, I learned the rules for that, so I'm good to go. I'm going to burn through this top of the Roll stack. Dice, stack trucks. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I'm excited to hear about Nations the Dice Game and Dark Moon. Hopefully I get to play Dark Moon at some point during Origins. I don't know if I'm going to pick it up yet, but I'm hearing good things. And uh, I don't know like that to there are it. too many people at Origins that I know that are excited about it like I am. So maybe maybe we could play it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you know, I will be there, Tiff. Yeah. But uh, Dan, one other one that you have on our show notes that I'm interested in is Fields of Arl. So this is a one and two player game. Are you planning on finding a mate for this one? Or are you going to try Arl. to solo? It's not pirates. That's what sucks. Um, Sorry, it's farming. Uve farming. Uh, yeah, no, it's punched red. I would like to play it at some point. I'm all for it. It's definitely on my list. Cool. One other one that I had on my list was Lagoon, just because I, I've had it sitting since it came out and I just haven't played it yet. I just... So I'm I'm putting that on top of my stack as one of my own plays. So um so any other games that y'all are interested in playing? I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> games that I'm interested well, in playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you are prioritizing though. <laughs> that pretty well covers what I've prioritized. I was happy to get a lot of my top of the stack stuff done in this last week. Got a lot of gaming in, so cool. Cool. Well, hey, that's a quick segment. Let's go ahead and take another quick break. And when we come back, Tiff has a hipster highlight lined up for us about drawing lines on little cardboard sheets. So join us for that. Alright everybody, welcome back and let's jump right into our next segment, which is a hipster highlight courtesy of our resident hipster gamer, Miss Tiffany B. What are you talking about today? Today I'm talking about Trox, Trax, I don't know, T-R-A with an umlaut, two X's. 
And it's uh, it's basically a kind of like a puzzle game. I picked this up in a German order a while back. It's from kind of the same guy that did Quicks, Stefan Bendorf, and also Reinhard Stopp. Uh, it's an erasable board game. So every player starts with, it's a board with a hexagon, a large hexagon. And inside the large hexagon are a million colored hexagons. And on some of those hexagons are numbers, which will be points for the game. So the numbers two through 10. There are 15 cards, you shuffle them, you reveal one, and then on everybody simultaneously will draw based on what is on that card. So your card might have a blue hex, a green hex, a gray hex, and a red hex. So you get to draw a line on your uh, board to match those hexagons. And so you're trying to draw through your board and hit these different uh, hexagons that have numbers in them to get the points. If you're the first person to get into that number, you get the full points. If someone else has already gotten to it, you get half, half of that rounded up. Um, at the end of the game, any hexes that you haven't drawn through count as negative points, and that's pretty much it. It's a 15-minute game. It's a great little filler, um, really simple to teach, really simple to play. You can play it one through four players, and probably more if you had more than one copy. But um, the kids at Board Game Club played it a lot before school let out, and I think it's worth picking up next time you're ordering from abroad. And that's Trax. Trox. I really like the look at this. Um, I didn't know about it until you brought it up. And I watched uh, W. Eric Martin's little like overview of it. And can you so can you cross over lines that you've already drawn? That was the one question I had. You cannot. You can't cross over lines that you've already drawn, but you can start from either the the beginning of the line that you just drew, drew or the end of it. So you can choose okay. which side to start on, but you have to go from that side all the way through. You gotcha. can't cross through anything. So when I watched it, I was like, oh, this looks pretty easy, pretty simple. And I was like, oh, maybe there's a little bit more than I thought there was in terms of like picking the best path and things like that. But it looked like a good time and it looked like it fits that 15 minute, like 15, 20 minute window, which even a lot of games that profess to be 15 minutes don't look like they actually meet that. So. Oh, it's definitely 15 minutes, maybe even less if you just get into the rhythm of flipping the cards, draw real quick, um, yeah. depending on how AP people tend to be. But if you're drawing lines through hexagons, it's it's not too complicated. No one's taking it too seriously. So, yeah. Where do you find these games? This is like a recent release, isn't it? Germany. You're so on the ball. <laughs> not really, but uh, not. I'm not on the ball all the time, but there will be times that I just obsessively look at foreign game shops. So <laughs> <laughs> from time to time. Oh, and shout out to one of our listeners uh, for helping me find one of my hipster games that I've been looking for. And that is Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. What'd you find? Um, I've been looking to buy Deep Sea Adventure. It's by Oink Games. And just every time I have an opportunity to buy it, they sell out of it real quick. Um, so he, he turned me on to a place that I could buy it and it is on its way now. Great. So a future hipster highlight? Oh, for sure. For sure. Deep Sea Adventure? I hope so. It looks good. So we'll see. I had a Game Boy game called Sequest when I was little. Is it like that? I don't think so. No. That's what it reminded me of. No reason why it would remind me of that at all. <laughs> it just did for some reason. Now, 
Before we conclude my segment, I um, I have a special guest that I'm going to bring on here real quick. Um, one of the designers that we talk about quite often uh, sent in a quick bumper. This one goes especially out to Dan. So um, I'm going to just play this real quick for Dan. Oh, Monsieur Halstead, it is I, the great Antoine Bauzat, your favorite designer. I have heard you do not love the Pony Express and the collection. Ptooey! You should be ashamed of yourself, silly American. I fart in your general direction. And what is all this making fun of my good friend, Monsignor Larios? We have a tight-knit group of game designers <laughs> in this world, and we watch out for the own. We are like, how do you say, the, the NATO of game design. I am the bestest of the designers in your leap, and Monsieur Larios is the king of the USA. So go easy on him, or I shall stop designing all good games, and I shall start making the AI. How you say, the war game? I pick my nose in your general direction. Bowser, out. What just happened? That, that was Antoine Bowser. He just, he sent me a clip. He wanted Dan to hear it. He was upset. He just confirmed every stereotype I ever had about French people. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew his accent would be so inconsistent for a guy that was raised in France? Yeah, they do talk like that. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> so, yeah. Dan's overwhelmed. He has no words. <laughs> He's just shaking his head. I am, uh, I'm flabbergasted. I'm, I'm crossing my legs with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you do when you're excited? All right. Anyway. When I hear that sweet French accent, hell yeah. <laughs> it right. sounded well, just like him. Yeah, I thought so too. Well, of course it does. Wasn't it him? <laughs> I think of course it was. It was. Maybe it I was missed the joke. Him. No, it was definitely him. No, that was definitely him. That's definitely what Antoine Bowser sounds like. That's, well, that's his voice. cool. Now when I see him, I'll say thanks for the bumper. Yeah, you should. And he'll look at me and say, "He's going wee wee." <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Matthew. You idiot. <laughs> whoa, whoa! How did how did Bowser get into the feed here? This guy's a genius. He's a hacker. I am everywhere, Tiffany. I am going last, therefore I can continue to move like Takedo. <sighs> well. It, it just goes to show you, you know, you got to go easier on Lanius. Even Bowser thinks so. Oh, Richard. And if Bowser says so, it is mandate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. That was that was distracting. We should move on with the show. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Tiff. I, you know, you know all about the, the low-key hipster games. You've got all the good connections with all the, the designers. Clearly, Bowser. Hello. Are you guys Facebook friends? Is that why? <laughs> Yes, I am Facebook. No, not yet. Soon, soon. He just contacted me. He just contacted me out of the blue. I felt so privileged. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Hopefully, we'll get more Bowser on the show. Yeah, we'll have to bring him on for an interview sometime. Friend of the show. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break, and we when, uh, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to jump into Keep Trade Burn Revised, courtesy of one of our listeners, and we'll. Yeah, we'll do that soon. <laughs> Everybody's starstruck. That's what happened. Yeah, sorry. I'm all I'm all fuzzy. All right, everyone, we are back for our final segment of episode 23, and that is Keep Trade Burn Revised, courtesy of Kyle, 
one of our listeners, and I believe friend of Tiff, is that correct? He is in my game group, but most importantly, yeah. he posts on the guild, and you should too, because we'll do whatever you say, apparently. If you tell us to do something on the guild, we do it. I'm currently looking on how to ship chocolate to people, because that was <laughs> <laughs> mentioned. Apparently, we made that promise at some point. So, let's talk about the new rules for Keep Trade Burn. Now, we all know it's a super fun segment to make Tiff uncomfortable, and really all of us, but anybody who listens to Keep Trade Burn is in it for Tiff being uncomfortable. Uh, but this is newfangled Keep Trade Burn. There are new rules, and the rules are as follows. If you are going to keep a game in this game, you have to play it at least once a month for the rest of your life, and you can never get it out of your collection, so something to consider. If you trade the game, you must trade it to a friend, and they have to play it, according to those rules. Forever. And if you, it says forever, forever. They can't get rid of it. And if you burn a game, you have now burned every copy of it in existence, and essentially, Kyle was apparently sick of all of our cop-outs, and he said, it's time to play by some real rules. So here we are with Keep Trade Burn Revised. We are going to give it a shot. And Dan, how about you kick us off, Tiff or me, you know, throw one our way. All right, Tiff. Oh, Saddle up, partner. <laughs> I don't Bring know it where, on. I don't, I don't know if you have a horse, but saddle something. <laughs> um, <laughs> Find something to saddle. <laughs> All right. I'll be right back. All right. Lifeboat, dead of winter, panic station. This is easier than I thought it was going to be. Okay. All right. So I, I'm pretty sure that I would burn every copy of Lifeboat in existence. That game... <sighs> Guys, listen. If you want to see me uncomfortable, make me play Lifeboat. I can't deal with that game. I don't know what it is about it, but I can't. It makes me uncomfortable. Everybody's mad at each other. <sighs> it makes me nauseous just thinking about it. So if we could just eradicate Lifeboat from existence, I would be okay with it. Sorry, designers of Lifeboat. I just can't handle it. Okay. So that, that I knew as soon as you said Lifeboat that that would be the burn no matter what. Our next bumper, <laughs> the designer of Lifeboat. Screw you, Tiff. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Or girl or whoever. It's just, I can't, it's, I can't, I can't even, I have it. I can't even look at it. Okay, so there's that. I would keep Dead of Winter because I think that's a reasonable game to play. And there are some things that I like about it. You have to play it every month for the rest of your life. Those crossroad cards aren't going to last that long. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. I mean, they'll surely make some expansion cards for it, right? There are a lot, there's a lot of online content, I'm sure. So I'll I'll be okay with that of winter, and it's really more about the social experience, isn't it? So that's going to be different every time because people are different every time. You have to play with the same game group every time. Oh. It's going to suck <laughs> right. every time. You have to play it's with your suck middle every schoolers. Time. Oh man, middle schoolers are so bad at lying. Have I mentioned this? Oh, Move to location. Roll die. Draw a card. Roll die. Move back. Oh, let it go, Dan. Your time will come. Don't worry. Instead of winter. I can guarantee y'all are going to put euphoria in one of mine, so I'm I'm already prepared. (laughs) We'll see. Oh, man. There's no no dumb guy on this end of the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Just Dan and his crossed legs. (laughs) All right. I do still have a kind of a hard on from Bowser. (laughs) 
You're going to have to pick the more family-friendly version of saying you have a hard-on. We can't leave that in the show. Penile erection. <laughs> That's worse. Is it? Yeah, because... anatomically correct. It, I know, and therefore... That's not good. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I would trade Panic Station. Um, it, it's the I would trade it to Steve. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> All kinds of fun mental images. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. So let's get serious. Back to Keep Trade Burn. All right. So I would trade Panic Station because um, I think I could live with one of my friends having to play that forever. I mean, I wouldn't have to play it forever. And it's kind of a good concept. It's like they wanted to make Alien the game. It's just they did weird things mechanically to make it happen. But now whenever you go to see Bob or your friend, they're like, hey, Tiff, uh, this is the week that I have to play Panic Station this month, so you have to play it with me. Depending on, Matt, what your keep trade burn is for me, I mean, maybe I'll pick you as the person who I trade Panic Station to. If if it means I get to play a game with you once a month, it just would make my year. Oh, that's adorable. (laughs) Moving on. Proceeding. Uh, Dan, I'm going to jump in here. Your three games, Keep Trade Burn, are Zombicide, Dead of Winter, and Euphoria. And now Tiff has to change her list. Mm -hmm. Jerk. (laughs) He's going to be so sad no matter what. Are we on like an island? Like, can I kill myself? Or that's not an that option. That's not an option. option. It's not okay. keep trade burn suicide. Keep trade burn seppuku, as you would say. Dead of winter <laughs> zombie side. What? Euphoria. Euphoria. You knew this was coming. Oh, I knew it was coming. Um, you knew this day would come. Um, uh, have to play at least once a month for the rest of my life. Ah. You can't trade it to me. You have to trade it to someone gonna, you like. I'm going to shock you. I'm keeping oh. Euphoria. And I'm going to... I knew you would because it's a good game and you know it. It's not uh, It's not a good admitting. game. It's, a it's, passive... the only, it's the only game you gave me. Burning. He's passively admitting that he likes Euphoria. No, don't misconstrue that. We got you. I we will got keep you. it, but that doesn't mean I can't like destroy it. No, it actually does. No, you mean have you to play it once a month play forever. It, you can't destroy it. I think I would trade Zombicide and burn Dead of Winter. I think I would burn every copy of Zombicide just to make every person who's ever backed that Kickstarter sad. <laughs> I don't that know. That would disappoint yeah. a lot of people. I don't know. It depends on who I'm playing this with. I might reverse those two. It might also spark an Ice Age. <laughs> It's a lot of plastic. No, you know what? Uh, But they're both co-ops. I don't like co-ops. I was going to pick three co-ops, but I figured I'd throw you a bone. Uh, I almost put Pandemic or something. Euphoria, Trade, uh, Trade, Dead of Winter, Burn, Zombicide. So many minis. Melting. Yeah, I just hate, I just. I don't know. I hate zombies, and that one has more zombies than Dead of Winter. They're too scary. Dead of Winter has social interaction, which you also hate in games. I'm pretty good at social interaction. I just don't like to. I'd rather play a non-social game. Tiff, Hmm. take it away. Oh, okay. So, I guess I'll do 
I'll do Matt first. Uh, this was hard for me because usually on the show, which is most of the Matt time loves that everything. Talk, <laughs> that's kind of how I felt. I was like, we usually talk about games that we like. We don't often talk about games that we don't like. And uh, Matt, you replay a lot of games that you like. <laughs> so uh, here's what I got. Seasons, Agricola, Munchkin. That's a pretty solid attempt, Tiff. Yeah, you know. It really is. I do my best. It really is. Um, I would keep Agricola and play it once forever. I would trade Munchkin and I'd burn every damn copy of Seasons in really? existence. What happened? I finally no remorse. will post on the boards about something Matt says and not me. <laughs> seasons is a great freaking game. Here's Seasons the is, the is good in game ever created. <laughs> That's fine, but I trade it to someone else and make them play it. I don't have to play it. <laughs> Seasons is the same game every time. It's boring. Hmm. It's the same card combinations every time. I don't know. I played it once and it was not happy. But I played it with four players and I'm told that that's not a good idea. I played it Four you times also didn't I bought play it. The, the beginner rules, like you just jumped right into a draft. You need to ease your way into the card. That combos. was not my fault. I know. I'm just saying you need to ease your way into the that card. That was my combos. buddy Zach's fault. Because you, you ruined to, it for me, Zach. I hope you're listening right now. You need okay. to understand. <laughs> you need to understand the synergy and how everything kind of flows before you can just say, "Oh, I want to draft this card before I've ever played this game." Like that. That's a dumb way to introduce someone to the game. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't find combination i see why people like it i did not find it interesting and maybe that's in part due to my game group because i played it several times with the same general group of people and they we played the exact same way every time like it ended up the same way every dan time winning. there were minor variations <laughs> What's oh up, dan? Dan now winning. we get to the heart of things <laughs> no i thought it was smee winning no I, i'd be even worse i want every much too. Oh, I just distinctly remember you and Smee actually having the same board of cards at one point. And that I thought, this is dumb. <laughs> this is a terrible thing. I do like those dice a lot, though. I wish the they would incorporate the those dice great. in something else. I don't even care about the scoreboard that much. That's what everyone whines about. Like, I don't even care that much. I have thought about repurchasing seasons just because maybe I didn't do my due diligence. An expansion is but welcome. I'm pretty sure Smee I did. has it anyway, so. Yeah. But I'm okay with burning them all and never playing it again. I feel no remorse about that at all. The, and I'll play Agricola forever. That's fine. It's That game is awful, too. But I'm just kidding. Wow. I just wanted to see facial reactions. Wow. I mean, I'm not the hugest Agricola fan, but I, I after having played Caverna that everybody says is better than Agricola, I'm not so sure. I am. Just going to throw that out there. I think... Agricola is better than I give it a chance for or something. I wouldn't mind playing it and perfecting a strategy. Yeah. But anywho, I'm going to take back over. And Tiff, I am going to give you three games that you have to keep, trade, or burn. And they are Nothing Personal, Myth, and all those minis, and Dragon's Gold. I already did trade that one. Yeah, well, imagine that you have it all still because that box literally weighs 60 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I still haven't read the rule book. The minis but are anywho, great, though. Um, pretend that you have it all. All right. So no nothing personal. Myth. Dragon's gold. Oh, 
I don't know. You're going to have to play one of those forever. Oh, God. it's It sounds so horrible. Um, okay, so I guess I would keep Dragon's Gold because that's the shortest one. I mean, that's... Wow. Yeah, and I hated that game. I was ticked off during the game. My group was probably hating on me because I had a bad attitude about that game. And uh, I am very surprised by that because you really didn't like it when we talked about it on the show. really didn't. Um, yeah, but it's the shortest. And like Myth could be like a two hour long game. I don't want to I don't want to waste two hours on something. And, and it could be broken. Yeah, it could be broken. I, I hear <laughs> that it might be broken. Nothing personal. I have wasted two hours on, three hours on, four hours on. Uh, I've, I've done my due diligence with that game. Um, I think, oh man, this is hard. I think I would keep Dragon's Gold because, like I said, it's short. I could, I could just get a quick play over and it'd be done. Um, <sighs> I don't know. See, I this trade, when I think trade for this, I think I must trade it to a friend, which means I'll eventually have to play it again, is what that oh, means. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you're sticking someone that you supposedly call a friend with a just awful game. All right. I'm trying to imagine. I guess I would go with nothing. Like, are you going to give Dan nothing personal for the rest of his life? Yeah. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> I'm going to have to. Would you rather play Myth? Are you talking to me? No, Dan Patrice, I'm not talking to you at all. I wasn't. Of course I'm talking to you. You're here. I thought this was yours. Yeah, I know. I'm trading it. I'm trading nothing personal. I already to own you. it. Yeah, well, now you have two copies. You can play Mega Nothing Personal. Oh, two copies. Yeah, I know. It's going to suck. How much would you hate me if I could somehow curse you to playing that game once a month for the rest of your life? I thought we had fun playing that. Like, would our friendship be over, or could you get over that? All right. Well, then, then I stand by what I said. I'm burning myth because I sunk a lot of money into that Kickstarter and I couldn't even get through the rule book. So between Zombie Side and Myth, we are in fact creating a ne- the next Ice Age. Dan, take over. Matt, I'm gonna kick it old school. Risk, sorry, Monopoly. Ew. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. That's what I do. Uh, Oh, man. I already play Sorry once a month. I work with kindergartners. Um, uh, None of those games are great. Um, I'd say Risk, but Andy just turtles in Australia every time we play Risk, and it's not fun. Risk Legacy? Sure. Yeah, I'll play Risk. Nope. Nope. You heard the man. Vanilla Risk. Sorry. Not even Doctor Who Risk, where you get a million little Daleks. All right. I will keep Sorry, because that is the most mindless game in the world, and it will be over quickly. Risk could literally go on for hours. Monopoly will, without a doubt, go on forever. So I will trade Risk away and occasionally play it with whoever I choose to burden that upon. And I am more than happy to burn every copy of Monopoly. Especially after I heard about how Monopoly, the game, was like stolen from a poor little Quaker woman and it used to be a fully co-op game about fighting against the establishment. Yeah, that's some that's some crap. Couldn't so you just burn. mod the rules into that quaint little co-op game? 
You might be able to. That's how it started out, and they robbed her of it and turned it into a mass market thing. Now, a lot of Monopoly proponents would say that Monopoly lasts too long because you're not playing it right. Yeah, I get that, but even if I choose to play it right, the other four people I'm playing with aren't going to play it correctly because nobody knows how to play Monopoly. Monopoly could go on as long as you want it to. There's so much of a social element. You're supposed to buy everything that you land on and trade and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I, they have tournaments for that game. Can you believe that? <laughs> they have tournaments. There is, I they act like there's str- strategy for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a roll and move game. Get out of here, Monopoly lovers. Go play something else. <laughs> and now you have to because I just burned every copy of your game. Wow. This is Tip. this is turning into a really like evil. Like <laughs> it turns us each into a super villain, kinda. Alright. Alright. So my last one is for Dan. And we're gonna keep trade burn. Arkham Horror, of course. Burn. Uh God. <laughs> I hope he keeps it. Arkham Horror, Arkham Horror, and burn. Arkham Horror. <laughs> Rattle Bones. Nope. Burn Arkham Horror. <laughs> All right, and I couldn't come up with another one that you'd hate. Maybe Five Tribes. We'll do that. Burn. It was Arkham supposed Horror. to be Euphoria. Okay. Are you going to burn Arkham Horror? Even after Bowser told you to go easier on Lanius, I'm, I'm pretty sure Bowser plays Arkham Horror. Let me let me think about it and get ooh, back to ooh. you. Cosmic Encounter. Make him play Cosmic Encounter forever. Do I've you never, hate Cosmic I've Encounter? Never played I've never played it. So. No. I think yeah, it's but fun. do you really want to play that game forever? <clears throat> I don't like social interaction, and that game is okay to me. Um, I just thought about it, and I'm going to burn Arkham Horror. Are you sure? You really took some time to deliberate there. Listeners, we had to cut like 30 minutes of ums and ahs. <laughs> nope. That was about four seconds. Uh, what was the other two? <laughs> uh, how about Rattlebones or Five Tribes? Five tribes. Keep five tribes. Trade Rattlebones. Who are you going to make play Rattlebones forever? Because that, that game. That game. Come on, Tiff. Step your game up. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding. You said mine was easy, so it's only fair. <laughs> I just know. I, kn- I don't know. I, di- I don't know anything. You. I thought Euphoria versus uh, Arkham Horror would be harder for you, but Matt stole it and ruined everything, so... Uh, that's why I went first because I knew that you were going to steal it. So, and then I wouldn't well, have had to give it. You could have yeah, still smart. given it to me and made the choice even harder. Yeah, well, it's too late for that now. Yeah, Arkham Horror would have gotten burned regardless. Anything, anything you put up against Arkham Horror. Would I mean, you kept Euphoria, and I think that's a it's that's heartened me quite a bit. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. I'll bring it to Origins. We can play it. <laughs> All right, we'll see. I'm just looking at Dan's face now. Just watching just the dead eyes. <laughs> There's plenty of other people there I can play with. So it's I'm all okay. glazed you guys over. Can play all the euphoria you want. <laughs> oh, no. You kept it. You're playing it once a month forever with me, brother. Keep Trade Burn is real, Dan. It's serious. We take it seriously. Yep. So watch I'm out. I'm my copy of Zombie Side right now. <laughs> if you're carrying you around a copy of me? Arkham Horror at Origins, steer clear of Dan. <laughs> <laughs> He's got lighter fluid and matches. This is a really dark episode. Very dark. It started out so jovial. Yep. <laughs> are we going to end the show or are we going to keep on going yeah, on awkwardly and uncomfortably it. for hours? I mean, people do like that, but. That's true. 
All right, everyone. So that is episode 23 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers in the bag. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can chat with us on our BGG Guild number 2077. Or you can find us on Twitter. Dan, if they want to find you, where do they do that? At League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Dan. Tiff? I am at Inept Gamer. And I am at Cinnamon Buns. And just as a little aside here, we are going to be at Origins Game Fair. If you haven't figured that out already, find us, tweet us, email us. We'll be there. We're gaming. We want to hang out. I don't know. I'm putting that out for me. I can't speak for Tiff and Dan. I'll be there. I'll be there the whole time. I'll play anything but Harkham Hark. <laughs> anything? He'll play Euphoria. That's what I'm hearing. Hey, yo. Got him. Internet high fives. All right, everyone. Until then. Bye. Bye. Toodles. I'm sure we can. Yeah, there goes the next all right. Yep. There goes. To, well, this isn't the first time we've lost Dice Tower status. Uh, I'm going to jump in. This will here. be the one episode that Tom listens to. I want you guys to know that.